Asian Pop Nation on Sin 90.7. Hello, welcome back to Asian Pop Nation on Sin, where you can get your weekly fix of Asian music and culture. I'm your EP, Jesse, and aside from me, you'll also be hearing from our amazing cast of APN hosts, including Alicia, Tracy, Lee, and Ethan. You guys just heard a couple of amazing indie pop tracks, starting off with Go Go by Nana Ouyang, which is from their album The Star. And before that, you guys heard Game by Chai from the album of the same name. Um, but coming up in our show today, we have a bit of a shorter segment to show for you guys, but it is nonetheless jam-packed with all the co- exciting content that is going on in the Asian music and culture scene. We will firstly be talking about the upcoming Japanese film festival, which will be happening across Australia. And so we thought it'd be very fitting to fit out, to pick out or to at least list out, list out some of the films we might be interested in seeing. Um, we will also be delving into some recent K-pop controversy, more specifically regarding NCT's new track, Baggy Jeans, which is rumoured to have been banned on CSAT. Um, but yeah, that's a little bit of an interesting tidbit of news. So um, if you guys are interested in some drama, definitely stay tuned for that little segment. We'll also be doing a two-parter of anime, um, our anime um, Attack is Back. But this time, we will be running down some underrated anime that me and Lee thought the world should know more about. So we are shouting them out in this two-parter segment. But yeah, that has been a little bit of a rundown of the content of the upcoming show today. I hope you guys do stay tuned till the very end. Hello, welcome back to Asian Pop Nation on Sin. You guys just heard a couple of Korean tracks by all-female artists, starting off with Smooth Sailing by Signature, which is from their EP Us in Summer. And before that, you guys heard Die For You by Els Up, which is the final group from Queendom Puzzle. And finally, at the very start, you guys heard BYOB or Bring Your Own Best Friend by Billy. Um, coming up, we will be talking about the Japanese film festival that is currently happening all across um, Australia. So we will be running down some of the films we are excited to be seeing um, on the program of this festival. And there are a couple that are quite interesting. So I think you guys will be excited to hear about that. But without further ado, let's get right into it. Hello, hello, hello. You may know here on APN we have covered a lot of film festivals in the past, including the Melbourne International Film Festival and a bit more recently, the Korean Film Festival in Australia. Well, we have another little film festival coming up and it is the Japanese Film Festival, which we also talked about last year when it happened last year. Now, this is a touring festival that will be visiting Sydney, Melbourne, Canberra, Brisbane and Perth. And it is running between 30th of September to 5th of November. For all our listeners right here in Melbourne, it will be running between the 23rd of October and the 5th of November. The main venues that they will be holding screenings at is Kino Cinema in the city, um, Palace of Baldwin and ACMI. Us here at APN thought it would be very fitting for us to go through this festival and some of the films that we thought were interesting and we might go watch. So I shall be kicking things off with the only anime movie of this entire program. It is called Gold Kingdom and Water Kingdom. So the premise of this movie can basically be summarized into one sentence. So there is two warring kingdoms in this anime, obviously the Gold Kingdom and the Water Kingdom. 
And the way they decide to solve their problem is to do an arranged marriage, basically. They decide, okay, one country will gift their most beautiful woman, and the other country will gift their cleverest men, have an arranged marriage, and all their problems will be solved. Well, things don't happen that way because on the day of the wedding, a dog and a cat arrive in the place of the groom. And then later on, the original bride and groom meet in a forest and they don't know who the other is. And so things happen from there. They do have a trailer out on the site and so far the animation looks really good. Apparently they use like paper art and watercolor sequences so the animation is really beautiful. And the soundtracks are also sounding really, really good. As a bit of an anime fan myself, I thought this one was very interesting, and I might even go watch it if I'm not too busy. I just want to say when I was looking into this anime film, right, like it is actually based on a manga series. So again, you manga people, I don't know if you don't get tickets for this because this festival this year is quite in demand as we'll go through like some of the other films later. Some of them, by the time we're talking about it, it's sold out so this might also have that moment as well but it is based on a manga and apparently the film that we're talking about was done by studio madhouse and not to have a little leisha moment but studio madhouse i just have like a personal attachment to it because they totally did not do trigon the original 1998 and i am forever indebted to them since that day but no, they've done other films, they've animated other films like Wolf Children and other really popular shows, Death Note, first season of One Punch Man specifically. So, you know, these guys basically know their stuff when it comes to animation. And yeah, I'm also, you know, this one has piqued my interest. But Tracy, what is one that you are very keen on discussing with the class right now? There's a movie that is obviously highly anticipated. It's already sold out in Melbourne, but it's called Udo, The Way of the Bath. And plot synopsis is that it's basically about two brothers who own like a mini bathhouse and more their eccentric customers who go there. And it really piques my interest because it sounds like a Wes Anderson movie to me. And I really like Wes Anderson. Most of the movies that are going to be showing at this film festival are newer movies, so like released within the last couple of years. But there's also a series of movies from the 50s and 60s, all by this director called Ko Nakahira. He's well known for like, I think, being one of Kurosawa's apprentices and making really sort of experimental movies in the 50s and 60s his most well-known work is juvenile jungle which is about what they call the sun tribe generation which is like a disillusioned generation of youth after world war ii but the one that catches my attention the most is one called temptation which seems to be more of like a rom-com and I'm just always interested in sort of, like, I feel like with old movies, the ones that people like to pass down tend to be quite serious. Stuff that's more lighthearted is interesting to me. Um, and it's still full of the sensibility of the 60s or the 50s. And that's really interesting to me. The thing about this special series is that all of these screenings are free. So you literally just need to reserve your place or in some places like Brisbane, you just walk in and you can just watch these really interesting, really old movies for free. This is probably one of the big things that I personally really like about film festivals like this in general, when they have a specific program or type of thing that hi it's highlighting films 
from many, many decades ago that we no longer really have access to online digitally or again, the world of streaming and all that stuff. We don't have that easy access to it. And with these festivals, this is the one like really big opportunity that like what Tracy says, it's free as well. Sometimes I really enjoy watching like black and white films and stuff like this because it feels, I don't know, it seems so outworldly to me. It's it just it doesn't even feel like it's like made on earth or something. I don't know. That's just like my perception. Yeah. But I love when like film festivals like the Japanese Film Festival have these particular program moments and stuff where they're highlighting films from like decades ago. It's very exciting. <laughs> Yeah, with specifically Japanese movies as well, mm. it's hard to find these movies with subs, I think. Oh, you're so right. True. Unless you like, they've been released by Criterion or something like that. Mm. Yeah, often these movies, obviously foreign movies, are not going to be as well known as movies from the Anglosphere that people grew up with and their parents grew up with. I don't know. Something that stands out, like you said that watching black and white movies seems like kind of like alien and like you're seeing another world, but... Also something that strikes me when watching old movies is like how modern they seem also. Like, especially if they're in colour, like early colour movies are really interesting because they're like shot so clearly. The quality of film is so like high definition mm. and you don't usually see old things in such high definition. So you're like, oh, these are like actual people that existed before. And I think the things they find funny are still funny for us. Um, mm. Yeah, I think beautiful things that were beautiful in the 60s are still beautiful to us today. Oh my gosh! I know, look at us going having a cinema moment. I don't know why. Like, going through this whole thing, it just made me have a moment. Um, but I think one of the things that's also particularly very interesting about the Japanese Film Festival is the post-film talk events. I'm presuming these are, like, they show the film they have the screening, I mean, and then right after it, there's like a full discussion central. And in the case of the Japanese film festivals, they have like university academics that are going to be there and y'all can, I guess, talk it out on a whole thing. It's like a letterbox, but in real life, I don't know. My impression from their descriptions is that these are like mostly like university professors specializing in Japanese studies and stuff. Mm -hmm. And they're going to be giving like mini lectures on themes that are applicable to the movie you just watched. But that's very cool to sort of ground these movies in like the wider cultural context. I think that's very thoughtful and like, I like it when people like put together nice programs like this. Mm, like you can tell that this curation, especially with this year, like I remember their film festival last year and yeah. in that time they were bringing it back like directly past like corona time so obviously they were still like in the works or whatever but now in current like 2023 they've definitely amped it up in terms of having a lot more like events and stuff that involve I guess you fucking amongst other film nerds and it's just nice I don't know like I'm a sucker for like well put together event it's just good and it's like if you're listening and you're interested literally just type Japanese film festival it will pop up just have a look around it is a very neat nicely curated selection this year <laughs> yo 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 this is asian pop nation on sin where you guys just heard a collection of asian tracks starting off with never miss by yo who is an melbourne-based artist and before that you guys heard Belo conmigo by one us and even more before that you guys heard attention by gemini featuring dawn and blaze now, coming up, we will be talking about some K-pop drama, if you will. 
Um, specifically regarding NCT and their most recent comeback, with which they released their title song, Baggy Jeans. Now, the song itself is a bit dis- divisive in terms of who likes it and who doesn't. And the other little tidbit of news that we are personally a bit more um, interested in is the fact that it is apparently on the CSAT band songs list. Now, for everyone who doesn't know what, who, what CSAT is, it is basically a Korean version of VCE. Um, but yeah, that, that tidbit of news was pretty interesting and we kind of wanted to talk about like, oh, NCT's new comeback and also what other songs are on the SSAT band songs list. Hi guys. Hello, it's Tracy here with K-Pop Corner. Today on K-Pop Corner, we're going to be talking about the new NCT song Baggy Jeans and several things that are related to it. Basically, every few years, NCT makes a full group comeback. And when I say full group, I mean the full 20 plus members, all the subunits come together and they make like an NCT album. And the latest one is called Golden Age. One of the things that fans were most excited about was the return of a subunit that people call the seventh sense subunit basically the unit that debuted the whole nct project um with the song the seventh sense fans were super excited because yeah they haven't really been seen in that configuration since and also people love the seventh sense i still love that song it's very how would you explain if they haven't heard um basically when that song was released everyone was like it's really strange. I haven't heard anything like it. It sounds more like, it doesn't sound like K-pop, it sounds like something that would be released by an indie artist. It's very atmospheric. Mm. It has all these sound effects in the background. It's kind of creepy sounding and ominous sounding, but it's really well done is the main thing. Like people all agree that it's a really good song and a really memorable debut song. Which brings us to their newest song, Baggy Jeans, which was released about a month ago in late August. The question that was in everyone's minds was, is this new unit song going to be as good as The Seventh Sense? And upon hearing the song, I think the reaction was pretty unanimous that, no, the song Baggy Jeans that they came back with is straight trash. (laughs) (laughs) Or, you know, just not... You know, I, I think a lot of comparisons were drawn to the NCT 127 song sticker, which is infamous for being extremely polarizing. It's like a song that is an acquired taste, let's say. But the thing about Baggy Jeans is that it's been doing really, really well on the charts in Korea and is like spreading along like the general population, like outside of the K-pop stand first. And that is something that doesn't happen a lot for boy groups, honestly, because the general public does not care about boy groups. Unfortunately, despite NCT releasing some incredibly good music, Baggy Jeans is the one that is doing really well. You might be wondering why. And it's because of a TikTok challenge. Wow. Yeah. Welcome to the new age. You do one little silly thing on TikTok and boom, everybody is on that song. But yeah, explain to us what is this TikTok challenge? What are they doing that has, I guess, caught like wildfire? Basically, it's a fun little play on words. It starts with this audio from the hottest K-drama of 2022, namely 2521. And the main lead in this drama, his name is Baek Ijin, like the Korean name Baek Ijin. And so basically the line from this drama that is taken and sliced into the TikTok clip is like, there's something I really wanted to say to you, Baek Ijin. At which point the audio smash cuts 
into the extremely abrupt chorus of baggy jeans, which is baggy, 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 baggy jeans. Yes, this TikTok challenge has been spreading like wildfire. That's why the song is so popular, despite being such an acquired taste. I'll say <laughs> the song is actually so popular. Some sources are saying that it's been declared by some authority somewhere in Korea as a CSAT band song. You might be wondering, what does that mean? So the CSAT is the Korean the Korean VCE exam. It's the one that students take at the end of high school to decide who gets to go to the best universities in Korea. And obviously because Korea is super competitive, it's a big deal, right? And also it takes eight hours for some reason, the CSAT oh. exams. I don't know why they do that. Probably to torture their students. So basically the CSAT band songs is this list of songs that are so catchy that students are advised not to listen to them during the exam period, just in case they get them stuck in their heads and then they can't concentrate during the exam. Famous examples of CSAT band songs are Shani's Ring Ding Dong, Super Junior's Sorry Sorry, and Girls' Generation's G. All very, very iconic songs and all extremely repetitive hooky songs. And I think Baggy Jeans, it makes a lot of sense why it's been added to that list. Korea really takes the CSAT seriously. Like, they will adjust the frequency of trains and buses, um, like public transport, so that students can get there easier, I think. Um, one of the crazy things is that police cars will escort students to the exam venues if they're running behind. Um, and also to reduce traffic in the streets, government offices and, like, state-run places like banks start working at 10 a.m. And a lot of private companies also postpone their work hours for the day. So that's why the CSAT bands list is a thing that exists. I don't know. I just think this whole like CSAT band song thing is just so interesting. It's just inherently songs that are like, I feel like the trademark is just the choruses just keep repeating the one line, which is usually sung yeah. in English. And that is what gets the CSAT people shaking in fear. <laughs> um. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's like a... A phenomenon, um, they call it like the hook song, um, where it's literally just that. It's like the one phrase repeated over and over and over again until it gets stuck in the head. And this was huge in like 2010. Here. Like Super Junior released like Sorry Sorry and like Mr. Simple. Oh, like, Mr. Simple, Jesus. Incredibly repetitive songs. Oh. Have not aged well. I think Sorry Sorry has aged well, but Mr. Simple has not aged well. No. Um. And I yeah, would have to be like someone has to chain me to a chair and like put the video <laughs> up and that's the only way I can consume Mr. Simple in like 2033. <laughs> and also with the examples that you brought up, why are all of them like SM, SM songs? <laughs> it's just like SM's like mission statement that each of the artists need to come up with one song <laughs> that CSAT are going to cry over it. Maybe, <laughs> maybe. Well, maybe it's like that the artists get popular enough that they become songs that the whole nation knows, like songs that are playing in shopping malls and stuff. Maybe also SM likes to go for extremely bombastic grating production sometimes, and that adds to the get-stuck-in-your-head nature of these songs. Like Ring Ding Dong, I, I really wonder how people felt about Ring Ding Dong when it came out. Did people like that song? Because it is just <laughs> like straight out the bank, Joker going, "Hey, you bad, you bad!" Like it starts off with a bang. What can I say? And then the whole chorus just swing, ring, ding, 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 Fantastic, elastic. Like, come on, the lyrics are lyricking on this day. 
Like someone in SM was like, I'm about to make a hit and it's going to be banned everywhere. Oh my God. It's so powerful that it needs to be contained. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but now we look at it very fondly because of like how ridiculously camp it is. And I think Becky Jeans also is ridiculously camp. Yes. Like Like the the music video, there's a whole scene where they are dancing but the people that are dancing next to are not the other members. It's like baggy jeans, like literal jeans, dancing along with them, like floating jeans. And that imagery has not left my brain since I've seen the MV. And I was like, this is so SM of them to do this stuff. It's a stroke of genius that whoever the director decided to do that. They were like, we're not done yet. Like, music video is like chill, like... Mark occasionally is like yelling from like a potato chip. I don't know, the end of a potato chip view camp. I don't even know how to describe it. And then it cuts to that scene. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's the flavor we've been needing. I, mean, <laughs> I think production. the director was like, okay, this song is crazy. So we need to match it with a crazy music video. And that was the way that they decided to go. Mm-hmm. Maybe in a few years, we'll look back on this song fondly and be like, back in the days when music was camp, now it's so boring. We'll look back at this and stick it as like the two defining apexes of NCT's career, you know. Oh, I cannot wait for the day that I turn like 60 and with my future grandchildren just be like, this was the music I enjoyed in my day. And it starts out. With Taeyong whispering baggy baggy cheats or the damn flute in sticker. Like, oh I God. cannot wait for that day to come. Oh, God. Yeah, so hopefully we've um given you some things to think about. Do you like TikTok challenges? Do you like baggy jeans? How do you feel about baggy jeans? The song and baggy jeans as in the clothing item themselves. Send us a message if you have strong opinions on them. <laughs> Welcome back to Asian Pop Nation on Sin, where we just played for you a collection of R&B and hip-hop tracks, starting off with Hangang Gongwong by Bibi, which is a B-side to their recent single Hyundai R&B. And before that, you guys heard Tutam, which stands for Two Turntables and a Microphone, by Ha, featuring Bobby, from their new EP, Voice Tool Tip Text. And even more before that, you guys heard Pro by Sky which is from their EP, Will Die This Way. And even more before that, at the very start of the show, we heard Puddle by NCTU, which is from their album Golden Age, and it is the album with baggy jeans on it, which we talked about in our last little segment. But coming up, we will be covering an anime. Well, multiple anime. Um, As me and Lee start to run down some of the underrated anime that we believe deserve more attention, And so we are basically giving it more attention by um, shouting out some of our recommendations to all of our listeners tuning in today. So yeah, without further ado, let's pass this mic right along to Lee. So the other day I walked into this bookstore called Readings. I wasn't even like planning to go there when I walked in, but I, I guess my body just directed me to the manga section. And then I looked down and I see the manga series Witch Hat Atelier and I went, because I read this maybe like two weeks ago, so really recent, and I'm in love with it. So good. Wait, has anyone read it before? Ooh, yeah, I think when you mentioned this manga series, you, Lee, are the only person exposed to this, which I guess kind of sparked this entire conversation 
in the first place of APN of us just talking about I guess quote unquote underrated manga just book series and stuff that y'all happen to enjoy but probably like the one percent of the population also really enjoyed (laughs) um but this is your spotlight moment all right this is perfect let me tell you guys all about this manga so witch hat atelier is a manga series by kamome shirahama and it's in the fantasy genre so it's pretty much about this young girl whose name is Coco, who really, really, really wants to become a witch because she loves magic. But in their world, um, people have to be born as witches, so not everyone can do magic. And then, I won't spoil it, but a lot of stuff happens when she meets a witch by the name of Quifri. Um, After a whole kerfuffle, he pretty much invites her to become a witch even though she's not meant to be a witch. Yeah, so that's like the whole premise of this the story at the start. Um, what I really, really, really love about this manga is that it's so different to a lot of other fantasy manga I've read. Like in this story, the author puts like a lot of attention to detail when it comes to the magic and spell casting because the way witches like cast spells in this story is that they write a rune on paper so the author like came up with different symbols for each rune so like they all make sense to both Coco and us the reader which is really cool and then another thing about this manga is that it really like explores the the moral and ethical dilemmas um and the responsibility of using magic as witches so for example like because of a war that happened ages ago witches banned the use of like healing magic so if you like want to become a doctor you can't be like into magic stuff so it's like completely illegal so like medicine and like healing spells aren't allowed because back then like some witches abused it and like used the healing spells to like bring people back to life and stuff and it really disrupted the balance of the world so this kind of like explores the moral implications of like oh am i using magic for personal gain or like to heal others and help others and then there's a lot of gray areas in like the morals and ethics anyways the manga has also really amazing character development and not only the main character Coco but also like her friends and side characters because they all go through experiences and like hardships where they have to make really hard decisions especially about ethics and morality you can just see them grow like through the manga and one of the girls that she moves in with hates her guts because she's like I've spent my whole life like trying to become a witch and then this girl just comes in and she can just be a witch right there blah 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 and she's like no I hate you anyways they become best of friends it's so cute so yeah essentially it's got magic fantasy coming of age self-discovery morals and ethics and then another thing the author does right is that she doesn't need to sexualize any of the characters at all to make the manga compelling and like nice to read like she does all that with like the world building and character development and the art oh my goodness the art guys like i can't even describe it it's just so magical you just have to see it but and the test as i'm currently reading it is epic yeah, yeah it's amazing but yeah hope someone reads this after listening to me spew about this really amazing manga how many volumes is it this which had yeah because i'm just like curious like if you read through the whole thing i guess like how long is the series is it still ongoing what's yeah 
so it's still ongoing oh it's got 11 volumes oh okay but but yeah at first i was like oh this will be an easy read and then when i caught up today i was like no there's not enough <laughs> but, but no yeah. it sounds it sounds really nice and yeah. just like uh i personally just really like stories where you're watching like the protagonist is literally starting from the ground up like earlier off air we were talking about a certain anime that had a protagonist that's already starts out as like a basically an op like character they kind of know how everything works mm -hmm. but i love i love stories where it's like someone new to the world like starting from the ground up because i think you yeah. mentioned it lee it's like you as the reader are also learning what yeah. they're learning at the same time and you're like oh <laughs> it's just like harry potter guys oh god <laughs> oh god <laughs> except she's a young girl called coco <laughs> The thing is, she's like literally called the chosen one because of this other thing that happens. Oh, and oh. Then, yeah, like the evil people want to manipulate her to do. Well, I say evil, but there's that like gray line because the evil, quote unquote evil people, they just want to use medicine as magic. But then the, the government are like, no medicine healing magic. But yeah. But they are kind of evil. <laughs> mm. It's like it's like morally gray. Like they yeah. have like they have like quote unquote good intentions, but they're doing it in the most uh evil way yeah. possible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But oh my god, Slay. That actually makes me Slay. someone who doesn't even read manga, I'm like, hmm, temptation is uh yeah. there. So I think you I think you sold the manga great enough. <laughs> yeah, please but, check it out. Miss Jessie. Yeah. You on the forefront, what is your mangas that you wanted to talk about and you feel like doesn't get enough love? This this time I have picked a collection of anime that is not as depressing as the ones I picked last week. No promises though, because I think some of them are still kind of sad. But starting off strong, we are going with March Comes Like a Lion, or in Japanese it's Sangatsu no Lion. And it is kind of a very wholesome, like, found family kind of anime. So it's basically about this kid, this 17-year-old high school boy called Ray, and he has become a professional shogi player, which is kind of like Japanese chess, I guess. And he, his, his like, um, biological family died in a car accident, in some kind of accident when he was young. He was adopted by, like, a member of this shogi association, so he basically grew up in a household where shogi was everything and so he became a professional in middle school but he was very um he felt very distanced from that adoptive family because he's kind of also reclusive he's also um distanced from like his peers his teachers that kind of thing and so he was he decides okay this 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 environment is very tense i don't want to be in it anymore i'm gonna move out and so he does on his own but as you know as a 17 year old kid he doesn't really look after himself very well that's fair enough but then one day he runs um into the kawamotos which are like three sisters that live with their grandfather and the grandfather is the owner of a wagashi shop which is like traditional japanese candy um and so gradually they start to develop um kind of like a found family relationship they kind of heal each other's traumas and it's like kind of like it's really sad but it's also really wholesome and i really love the kind of thing and not enough people know about it i really wish they did because a lot of the popular ones are like oh action um that kind of thing and not enough attention is given to like these really wholesome animes you know yeah like the like coming of age i feel like that's the common theme with lee's recommendation and your first one is like coming of age watching someone 
growing up in this world and oh oh my gosh but yes continue jesse <laughs> i would totally recommend um watch it please it's really good yo 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 this is asian pop nation on sin where you guys just heard a collection of tracks starting off with nightwings by lulu lee and before that you guys heard flower tale by dubda and even more before that you guys heard crazy by ozora kimishima now coming up next we will of course be going into our second part of underrated anime recommendations by me and lee um so yeah without further ado i will jump straight into it so the second one I kind of want to delve into is a bit of an interesting taste take on an isekai genre. So this and uh, this one is called Ascendance of a Bookworm. So basically, this story is about a girl who, in the modern world, I think she was like a librarian or something, and so she really loved books. She loved books. Awesome books are great. And then one day she died, and she was <laughs> she was transmigrated into the body of this little girl. She was in this world where books were very hard to access, and uh, so basically only like the the church and like the really rich people had access to books and the rest of like the normal civilians um didn't know didn't know how to print books didn't know didn't have access to books basically books were inaccessible and she was like oh my god i'm gonna find a way to make books accessible so i can have books to read again and so the series is just following her trying to do that as this little girl that's also like kind of sickly as well so she's like trying to find all these ways of the knowledge that she has it's actually really cool i don't know if anyone has thoughts but i thought it's very interesting to have like a isekai anime about bookworms and i I personally really love books as well, so I was like, No, I was gonna, I was gonna say, and I was like, This is so up your alley. You are Um, a big fan of books, the APM bookworm. (laughs) It's it's epic, and then it's like she goes through a lot of she tests a lot of methods for like printing and like writing books and like (gasps) binding books, so you kind of learn a little bit about like how that works. So it's actually really interesting as well. Oh, another thing I really like about it is that it doesn't just skip over the fact that she's, like, a kid that has this trove of knowledge randomly. Like, people are actually like, hmm, what happened Oh, they're, you? like, suspicious. So like, actual logic is used. Yes, and unlike other isekais nowadays, which um, kind of feel kind of cookie cutter, this one's an interesting take on it. But, yeah, if you guys are interested in books like I am, definitely give this one a go. So... This next anime is a bit of an older one. This next one is called Kobato, and it is a bit of an older anime. It was released around 2009, 2010-ish, and it's kind of about this little cute girl that's really wholesome that she has a wish that she wants to go to some place, and so in order to fulfill that wish, she wants she is tasked with helping people in times of distress, and every time she mends their broken heart, she gets a little bit of can- like this kind of candy thing in a jar. And when she fills that jar up to the top, she gets to fulfill her wish to go w- wherever she wants. Um, but yeah, that's basically the whole thing. And it's like she's kind of like this innocent kid that like really doesn't know how things work. So she just kind of chugs along, trying to help people in her own way. And it turns out that she actually did help quite a lot of people despite not being too familiar with how the world works and it's kind of just a really wholesome anime too yeah oh my Um, gosh oh no i was just gonna say when i searched it up one thing that stood out to me the most is that it's done by clamp which are like back in my day I think well, wasn't like Card of the Sakura also done by yeah, yeah yeah, yeah they're yeah, they're yeah. basically from my knowledge Clamp is like very the target audience is like young females and I'm pretty sure the 
corporation is like female Japanese manga artist group of some sort. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, they've done like Chobits, Cardcaptor Sakura, uh, XXXholic. Yeah, but oh. but yeah, it's like oh, you mentioned that, and I searched, and I was like, oh my god, it's clamp. This just look very so clamp coded. Like very, if you wa- if you've watched like Cardcaptor Sakura and then you watch this, you would be like, oh, this looks familiar because it's exactly what it is, and it's just another wholesome anime by them. Okay, so the last one I kind of really want to run over is this anime called Recreators. Let me let me just ask a random question. What would happen if the characters that you really like in like your favorite anime, your shows, your manga, what if they suddenly came into your world? What would happen? <laughs> what would happen? Oh, Jesse! I would be cuffed immediately. Uh, Lee, Lee and Sanji will have like a whole cooking <laughs> date oh, or something. Yes. Ethan oh. will try to like... <laughs> <laughs> Ethan will, will try to like knock on the door and be like, let me in. <laughs> I need to see my man. No um, but yeah. Um, oh, wow. That's, that's basically what happens here. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, it's been a while since I watched it, so I don't remember all of the details, but I just remember it being a very, very unique concept when it came out, and it was a really interesting watch. So basically what happens in this story is that all of a sudden uh, random characters from a lot of like popular um, animes and mangas and shows, they start coming. It's, it ranges from everything from like the protagonist of like an action story to like this magical girl that is targeted towards kids, things like that. Like all sorts of different characters start coming into this world. And so the characters meet to their creators. And this is the part where it's like, oh my God. Because you know how when authors and the artists and everything, they start giving characters like sad backstories or like just the most random things that characters confront them and they're like, why did you kill off my entire a family uh what was your motivation behind that and like i remember one instance the creator was like it gave you like a motivation and it gave you an interesting point of view i didn't think too deeply about it and the and the character is just like you killed off my entire kingdom of people to give me that and it really kind of makes you question wait uh, that's so like meta these creative decisions are made by people Another thing I want to mention is like, you know, with a lot of these like stories, whether it's in a school setting or like a worldwide kind of setting, the government, the, the like the school staff or anything, they literally just don't exist. Or their first reaction is to like kill them all or, oh, run away in fear or something like that. Or, or they just don't exist. In this one, the character, the government actually isn't dumb. They <gasps> actually communicate. Logic in yes, anime? Yes, they, they actually don't just be like, oh my God, point all our machinery at them. They're like, hi, we are the government. We would like to talk about this and work towards a solution together and i'm like why is it so rare but yeah that the last one i wanted to talk about and i would really recommend this one for anyone that is looking for a bit of a different take on anime and really gets you questioning why your favorite um creators of these anime and mangas make the decisions they make Mm. Um, yeah i feel like this will be really good for like people who are avid anime watchers that like know the tropes they know yeah like yeah. I mean, like what y'all say, they like watch what every is the kind known to man, and they're like, yeah. oh, the same thing keeps happening again and again. Yeah. And this one is like, mm, but I'm challenging your brain with this one. Oh, <laughs> like, but then another thing is like the characters who come into the real world. It's like you can see like some of the flaws in the character and the gaps that like oh. the creators might have made. So it's like sometimes the characters are like very focused on like their one objective. Like there's this one, I think, knight character that her world was like the story. She's fighting for the good and all that kind of stuff. So she just has this one-minded um pursuit of justice. And you can see how that kind of influences things. And then there's like 
this magical girl character who's like her whole point of like creation was to like market um products and stuff to kids so her character is kind of um how do i one-sided blank like kind of like shallow so her thoughts are very innocent and like kind of not grounded in reality and that kind of thing so it's really interesting to see how all these different characters react okay i shall stop ranting about it those were my ranks but yes please watch them all yeah that last one is so interesting i might have a look that's all the underrated manga and anime that me and Jesse have personally curated to recommend to you guys. Um, so yeah, please watch it. And yeah, let us know what you think at Asian Pop Nation via our Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. You are tuned in to Asian Pop Nation, your resident Asian music and culture show on Sin. You guys heard Life After by Kiznue. And even more before that, you guys heard Primitive Age by Akiyama Ritsuki. And at the very start, um, you guys heard Humor by Makiko. Um, but yeah, this has been our entire show today, guys. This is your EP speaking. And apart from me, you also heard from Ethan, Alicia, Lee and Tracy. Um, we ran down some very interesting segments today, including the Japanese Film Festival, which is currently happening across Australia, and um, it is set to happen in Melbourne uh, pretty soon. But yeah, if any of those films interest you, definitely go check out the Japanese Film Festival website to look up the full program. We also talked about some K-pop controversy, of course, with regards to NCT's new um, release and subsequently their debut. Um, and it is about their song Baggy Jeans and how it cre- it became so popular that um, the Korean CSAT, which is basically the Korean version of the VCE, um, they rumored that it was rumored that they put that song on the CSAT band list for being potentially too distracting to students. So that was a bit of an interesting topic of conversation. We also did a two-parter of our recent underrated anime recommendations by me and Lee. Um, but yes, these anime definitely deserve more attention. So if you guys are interested in any of the animes we mentioned, definitely go check them out. Um, but yeah, that has been our show today. I hope you guys enjoyed. And do remember, we are on air every Tuesday from 8 to 10 p.m. right here on Sin. Um, and if you guys happen to miss our show every week, uh, we do have a podcast. And that is updated um, every time our show goes up. Uh, and you can find it on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, really anywhere you can re- find your podcasts. So yeah, definitely catch us up if you happen to miss a show or two.